0: Scripture says this in Luke chapter 2, You will find a baby wrapped snugly in strips of cloth, lying in a manger. Suddenly the angel was joined by a vast host of others, the armies of heaven, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven, and peace on earth to those with whom God is pleased. Welcome to the Brookwood Church Sunday Message Podcast. God communicated his plan to save the world to various people through various means. Today, Senior Pastor Perry Duggar begins a Christmas series called Christmas Messengers. This episode is titled, Special News from Angels. Here is Perry Duggar. The Christmas
1: series this year is entitled, Christmas Messengers. Today's message is entitled, Special News from Angels. If you take out your program, the theme verse I've pointed out on the top of your outline Then the angel said, I am Gabriel, God sent me to bring you this good news. The English word angel is translated from a Hebrew word, malach, and a Greek word, angelos. And both of them mean a messenger. The word angel, again, either in Hebrew or Greek, depending on whether it's Old or New Testament, appears more than 300 times in the scripture. So the presence of angels and the practice of angels is well established throughout the scripture. That very first Christmas, angels delivered God's dispatches, explaining his plan, providing guidance and direction, as well as protection to various people through varied means. Look at Psalms 103. Praise the Lord, you angels, you mighty ones who carry out his plans, listening for each of his commands. Yes, praise the Lord, you armies of angels who serve him and do his will. The emphasis there is that angels do the will of God, not their own and they don't do our will. It's a little bit surprising to me, maybe a, um, a little bit concerning to me that in our current context, people are beginning to refer to angels a lot, that angels are bringing messages about the world, about creation, about politics, about all kinds of things, the economy those aren't angels because angels speak the words from god and they carry out the plans of god though demons often appear as angels of light we're not to consult angels for insight angels are created spirit beings usually invisible see i don't believe that heaven is a particular geographic place, somewhere beyond Mars. Heaven is an unseen dimension that occurs around us. And these angels at times can reveal themselves. Sometimes they appear as human, but they're not born human. Everybody understands that. Humans, when they die, do not become angels. Everybody knows that, right? And angels aren't born as infants, and they grow up. They have some cute books, The Littlest Angel, but it's not true. But angels do proliferate. Anybody in here ever seen an angel? Raise your hand. Not, not many in this service, many in the earlier service. I think angels proliferate around us, but they're not always showing us their presence. I think some of you may have had an encounter with an angel and you just attributed it to good luck, circumstances, But I want you to think about those times when something favorable happened that really was inexplicable by ordinary means. A story I've told before, when I was a kid, probably about 11 years old, 10 or 11 years old, I swatted one of my brother's friends with a newspaper. My brother's four years older. And so this guy chased me. I didn't look where I was running and I ran out into the road. This fellow whose name was Robbie yelled car. And I had had another friend that had been hit by a car. That's what that would happen in our neighborhood. <laughs> I should have been hit several times by cars actually, but <laughs> Close calls but um, and when my friend got hit by this car it broke his hip but it knocked him on the hood of the car and so I thought if I ever get hit by a car I'm going to jump straight up in the air you had to think that way if you grew up in my neighborhood it was a battle for survival so when this guy yells car I just jumped straight up but I never saw it the car was coming behind me Jumped straight up in the air. The car hit me, but instead of landing on the hood or the windshield, I flew about 25 feet, 30 feet, into the front yard and landed in the grass. And I never thought about it, you know, the physics of the thing, until when I was considering the work of angels among God's people. And I asked my brother, what really happened? And he said, you were it was like you were carried to the side. You flew to the side. And today I'm convinced an angel actually spared me, one of a couple of times actually. Have you been rescued by an angel like that? And you attributed it to luck or circumstances or something. Angels serve and worship God, Revelation 22. But angels also, Hebrews 1.14 says, they also care for people who will inherit salvation. That includes you. That includes me. And it included us before we were even saved. Because I've taught y'all before this, you've heard this or you knew it, your name was written in the Lamb's book before the foundation of the world. So you were already owned by God and he watched you throughout your life and then at some point you received salvation. But you were safe. You just didn't know it. Hebrews 1.14. Angels communicate from God to people. Not from people to God. Angels are not mediators. Angels are servants of God. In one sense, they're even servants of those people that will inherit salvation. Angels are not above us, though they are supernatural beings. They don't possess the image of God, but they do live forever. They are sinless unless they choose to sin, in which case, that's what happened. Satan was an angel who disobeyed, and there were many that disobeyed along with him. But angels are messengers in their essence. And so today we look at messages from angels. First we see that they arrived in this first Christmas from a divine source. We'll be in Luke this morning, but we're going to flip around a little bit. Mostly Luke, two, Luke 1, a little bit in Luke 2. And Luke chapter 1 in this Bible available here is page 820. Luke chapter 1, verse 5. When Herod was king of Judea, there was a Jewish priest named Zechariah. He was a member of the priestly order of Abijah. And his wife Elizabeth was also from the priestly line of Aaron. Zechariah and Elizabeth were righteous in God's eyes. See, what's important is not how well behaved we are, it's how God sees us. And so by faith, we are righteous in God's eyes, not in our own behaviors. And that was true even at Zechariah's time because forgiveness, salvation's always been by faith. Always been by faith. Careful to obey all of the Lord's commandments and regulations. They had no children because Elizabeth was unable to conceive and they were both very old. In that culture, someone, a woman being unable to conceive, a, a couple being unable to have children, would have suggested to people that they lacked God's favor. But that wasn't true at all. Now, let me set this scene. This, this was a dark time in Israel. Anybody feel we're suffering under oppression today? There are threats on many sides today. Romans... Occupied the land of Israel. They oppressed the Jews. But it wasn't that they were just soldiers from Rome. They brought with them a flawed character that was extremely violent and very immoral. It was marked by corruption. It displayed depravity. Sound familiar? So that was the the oppression was emotional, and spiritual, as well as physical. And there'd been no prophetic word from God for 400 years. He was silent. The last time God had spoken directly to Israel was a prophecy of Malachi. you can find it in Malachi 3 and in 4. And it promised the coming of Elijah, who was perhaps the greatest prophet, who would prepare the way for the coming Messiah. Continue in Zechariah's story at verse 11. While Zechariah was in the sanctuary, an angel of the Lord appeared to him, standing to the right of the incense altar. It's interesting how specific it is, isn't it? And Zechariah was shaken and overwhelmed with fear when he saw him. That's surprising, isn't it? Does that surprise you? Because think about who this man was. Here's an older man. He's a priest. He's been serving God in and around the temple all his adult life. The temple was the holiest place. It was where the presence of God fell and touched down in the Holy of Holies. So he was familiar with the things of God all the time. And yet, when the presence of God arrived through an angel, he's shocked, he's scared. How many of us have dabbled in spiritual things perhaps our whole lives and failed to see the reality of God's presence and would be shocked and frightened if we ever did. But the angel said in verse 13, don't be afraid, Zechariah. God has heard your prayer your wife Elizabeth will give you a son and you are to name him John. Now we know who this John is. Who was he? What do we call him? John the Baptist. The angel said that God heard Zechariah's prayer. He would have a child. Though he and his wife had been unable to have children and now they were too old to have them naturally. Then the angel said in verse 19, Taking this a little out of context. I am Gabriel. I stand in the very presence of God. It was He who sent me to bring you this good news. See, this message could only be true if it came from God. Because angels have some power. In some places in the scripture, they're actually warriors. And the angels of death, in fact, in Exodus. But they don't possess the power to create life, to heal, to reverse physical disabilities. But God does. And so this message could only be effectual if it was delivered from God who would make this miraculous change and we see it confirmed at verse 24 soon afterward his wife Elizabeth became pregnant and went into seclusion for five months how kind the Lord is she exclaimed he has taken away my disgrace of having no children This couple knew this was God's intervention and this angel delivered a message directly from him. Six months later, Gabriel was sent to speak to a young woman named Mary. Verse 26. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a village in Galilee, to a virgin named Mary. She was engaged. Engaged is not a real good translation. It's, a, it's a, probably the best parallel we have in our culture. But it was actually betrothed. Betrothed was a very serious legal relationship. It, it could only be broken through divorce. And the word engagement, unfortunately, our culture has so watered that down, and you know, we use we have used the word fiance to mean people are living together more commonly than that they have a formal agreement to get married. So she was betrothed to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of King David. Gabriel appeared to her and said, Greetings, favored woman. The Lord is with you. Some manuscripts say blessed are you among women. Confused and disturbed. It's hard to understand what this young woman was feeling. Other translations say startled or even troubled. Mary tried to think what the angel could mean. Obviously the angel could tell she was Afraid, startled. Don't be afraid, Mary, the angel told her, for you have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you will name him Jesus. We know this story, but try to enter it. Imagine the impact of this announcement on this young woman, likely 15 to 17 years old, perhaps younger. A betrothal could actually take place soon after puberty. Marriage would follow sometime later. But this woman was not married, had never been intimate with a man. So she would have been surprised at the angel's communication, confused, but perhaps shocked and offended. You ever raised a 15-year-old? Anybody here raised a 15-year-old girl? I think I offended too at times asking them questions and this was just a ordinary 15-year-old young woman. And and realized by now the angel had not identified who this son she would bear would be. So here's my question. Have you ever received a message from a divine source? Let me see some hands. Hold them up. I want to see. I need to count. Okay, I got to slow down here. We receive supernatural messages all the time. Anytime you've received a message from God, perhaps from an angel, but more often, a word from the Spirit directly who leads you into truth, John 14, or from the Bible, or even from the advice of a friend, perhaps a message on Sunday or a word in a Bible study, it's a divine message. It's a divine communication. I think we we undervalue the way God relates to us. Now, I'm not talking about every time you read the Bible. I'm not talking about every Bible study and certainly not every message you hear. I'm speaking of that time When you hear a word, maybe it's one I speak, Bible study leader, one you've read in the Bible, and the Spirit of God illuminates it. And it changes you. Has that ever happened to any of you in any of those settings? That's a divine message. Not less significant than an angel arriving to tell you. The angel's message announced Jesus' arrival. Back to Zechariah's story at verse 14. After the birth of this son, you will have great joy and gladness, and many will rejoice at his birth, for he will be great in the eyes of the Lord. He must never touch wine or other alcoholic drinks. He will be filled with the Holy Spirit even before his birth. Now I wonder why it, what, he wasn't allowed to drink. There was a vow, a Nazarite vow. Samson took it, some others took it, Samuel took it. And they abstained from alcoholic drink for a while. Dedicated themselves to God. But John was never to drink wine or alcoholic drink at all during his whole life. You wonder why? So there could never be a question what he was under the control of. Because the answer is in the next sentence. He will be filled with the spirit, not influenced by alcohol. He would always be under the control of the spirit of God. Remember when at Pentecost when the disciples were speaking from God, everybody said, oh, they're drunk. And the disciples said, it's too early in the morning to drink. This is the spirit of God's effect on people. But it's interesting, another way he, he was unique. He was filled with the Holy Spirit before his birth. Now, how does that strike you? Not intermittently, Permanently. Some trans, some manuscripts say from birth. So maybe it was after. But what difference does that make? But here's what I want you to understand about about salvation. We have so humanized salvation that it's a decision we pray, we we make, a prayer we pray, a walk we commit to. Mm -mm. Salvation. Is the Spirit of God filling you and regenerating you so that you are transformed? Are you in control of it? No. And this man was filled with the Spirit even before he was born. And he will turn many Israelites to the Lord, their God. He will be a man with the spirit and power of Elijah. He will prepare the people for the coming of the Lord. He will turn the hearts of the fathers to their children, and he will cause those who are rebellious to accept the wisdom of the godly. John would be the forerunner of the Messiah, he would fulfill Elijah's prophesied return. Filled with the Holy Spirit from before birth. John would lead the people to repentance toward God. He would prepare them for the Messiah's arrival. He served no one but God. He was led by no one but the Spirit of God. How many of us would say that about us? Six months later, Gabriel confirmed the Messiah's coming to this teenaged woman at verse 32, Mary. He will be very great, this son Jesus, and will be called the son of the most high. That would be even more shocking. The Lord God will give him the throne of his ancestor David and he will reign over Israel forever. His kingdom will never end. Now understand this. Mary Mary as you know provided Jesus human nature and his physical body. She enabled Jesus to later die on the cross. But sometimes we think of Jesus not as a man but only as God looking like a man, appearing as a man. But I expect Jesus had some of his mother's traits he may have looked like her he may have had some of her personality you know we have children I have children one of my daughters is in the image of Leanne more than me one of my daughters is in the image of me more than Leanne appearance even personality sometimes although they're different parts from each one of us with each child Well, don't you know that Jesus had some of his mother's characteristics? She provided his humanity, his physical body, maybe some of his personality. But imagine how she felt hearing this announcement. Not only would she have a son, which was unsettling to her, but he would be the Messiah. He would be the son of God. He would be the descendant of David and ruler over Israel. There was, I mean, women were subjugated. Women could not even go into the temple proper. There was a women's court in the temple. Women were not treated equally at all. And so this woman, not only was she a female, But she wasn't even, she wasn't upper class. She wasn't educated. She may have been illiterate. But understand this, as a Hebrew, she would have been immersed in awareness of God and the expectation of the coming of the Messiah. Our culture used to reflect more immersion in the gospel, even culturally. Unfortunately, I think that's diminishing, and I think it's being forced out dramatically in our culture. Nine months later, an angel, perhaps it was Gabriel again, doesn't say, announced the Savior's birth to shepherds in chapter 2, verse 8. That night, there were shepherds staying in the fields nearby, guarding their flocks of sheep. Suddenly, an angel of the Lord appeared among them, and the radiance of the Lord's glory surrounded them, and they were terrified. What were they terrified about? What? Sure, the angel, but what about also the fact that they had never seen light at night? Imagine, so not only did you have an angel, but it was all illuminated. But the angel reassured them, don't be afraid. I bring you good news that will bring great joy to all people. The Savior, yes, the Messiah, the Lord, has been born today in Bethlehem, the city of David. And you will recognize him by this sign. You will find a baby wrapped snugly in strips of cloth, lying in a manger. Now, these men weren't religious, and they weren't righteous. Because of the way they worked with animals, they were considered unclean all the time, so they wouldn't even be allowed around the temple because their mere presence would offend the holiness of the temple. Their work made them ceremonially unclean, so they would be cast away. But not only did their work make them religiously unclean, unacceptable for worship at the temple, but these, these guys were considered The dregs of society, they were mistrusted. They were regarded as thieves and liars. In fact, it was thought that they lied so much, they weren't even allowed to testify in court. Because it was assumed whenever they were talking, they were lying. But an angel of the Lord appeared to them. But don't miss... I'm stressing who these people were. They were the outcasts of the culture. They were the lowest class of the culture. And the birth of the Savior was announced to them. Has the birth of the Savior ever been supernaturally announced to you? How many? Let me see hands has the birth of the Savior been supernaturally announced to you? None? Yep. Okay, we're going back to school. Oh, I got a hand down here. (laughs) That might have been disingenuous. (laughs) If you have heard the gospel and it regenerated you, you had a supernatural announcement. you know, we need to get this. We need to get a hold of this. You're not saved because you made a decision. You're saved because the Spirit of God regenerated you so you could believe because the Spirit of God confirmed to you this, this child born in Bethlehem is the Son of God who came to save you from your sins. And that has to be understood supernaturally, not just humanly. So now, how many of you have heard the gospel supernaturally? Oh good, I can take off for Christmas. I want you to understand this. You are not different than... These shepherds, they may represent us most. And those of you, how many of you did not grow up in church? How many of you, let me see those hands. You're the closest to the shepherds. I think faith comes easier to those who haven't been immersed in a religious understanding to the point that they became so familiar with it that it had no effect on them. But when this, in any case, whether you were immersed in church like I was, or you never darkened the door like so many, when the Spirit of God comes, He reveals truth. He regenerates your soul. That's being born again. And any of you with faith have had that happen to you. Do you understand that? That's how special you were to God. He sent the Spirit directly to you, singularly to you, individually to you, and claimed you as his own. The angel's message also acquired a response. Verse 18. When Zechariah said to the angel, how can I be sure this will happen? He's talking to an angel. I'm an old man now, and my wife is also well along in years. See, he didn't dare say her age. He wasn't convinced, was he? He had doubts. What's he asking for? Yeah, he wanted more proof. He wants a sign. He's talking to an angel and he's wanting a sign. Y'all are laughing, but there are a lot of us in this room that have had tremendous supernatural blessings from God, and yet we doubt the next promise. Verse 19, then the angel said, I am Gabriel. I read this at the beginning. I stand in the very presence of God. It was he who sent me to bring you this good news. But now, since you didn't believe what I said, here comes your sign you will be silent and unable to speak until the child is born. For my words will certainly be fulfilled at the proper time. The, the, Zechariah doubted the word of God that was spoken through this angel. So he was given a sign, but not a sign like he wanted. The sign he was given was being unable to speak, but verse 62 indicates he was also unlikely able to hear. You want that kind of sign? Sometimes we ask for God to teach us to trust, don't we? And we get afflicted somehow. So we have to learn to trust. Well, that's not the way I wanted it to come. But that is the way it often arrives. See, he looked at himself. He ignored the angel, the messenger from the presence of God, and he looked at himself. And he knew he was too old. His, his personal physical limitations, his past experiences called him to doubt God. How many of us find ourselves there? Something did not go the way we wanted and we quit believing. We may have quit asking because we quit looking to God and started focusing on the mirror ourselves and our lack of power. Let's look at Mary's response, verse 34. Mary asked the angel, but how can this happen? I'm a virgin. Is she doing the same thing as Zechariah? Who thinks she is? She's acting the same way. You don't think so? Why? Oh, she's not she just asked how I think you're right. You're right. Come up here. I'm going to give you a price. How many how many agree with that? She wasn't wasn't expressing doubt. Zechariah doubted. He questioned the truth of the angel's word. He asks for a sign. Mary demonstrated faith. She believed the angel's words. She's just asking, how can this happen? very different, but you have to look closely or you'll miss it. You know what? That's why I tell people don't have serious discussions through text because you can't hear the tone. You can't see the body language. You can't understand the context. And when we read the scripture, you have to do all of that. Otherwise, you'll miss it and you'll say, She lacked faith too. She didn't. She was a young woman who's asking about the process. The angel replied, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the baby born within you will be holy. To be born will be holy and he will be called the Son of God. Did that create more questions? Now, this is a 15-year-old woman. Did it create more questions? Of course it created more questions. So look at the angel. He offered more evidence. Verse 36. What's more, your relative Elizabeth has become pregnant in her old age. People used to say she was barren. But she has conceived a son and is now in her sixth month for nothing is impossible with God. Now I want you to see the the understanding, the, the sensitive nature of this angel to this young woman he was speaking to. He knew she was confused and overwhelmed. He gave her more evidence. In fact, he gave her someone she already knew who was already related to her, who had also experienced a miracle. And if you read the text, you see that she took off to see Elizabeth, looking for someone who understood this miracle-working God. Verse 38. Mary responded, I am the Lord's servant, May everything you have said about me come true. And then the angel left her. This angel's announcement was a great blessing from God. And it also represented a great threat to the plan she had for her life. Would anyone believe her? You think they would? Would you? Would her betrothed still marry her? Or would she be viewed as immoral and shunned, rejected, punished, perhaps even stoned? She's weighing all of that. Because think about it, the last time you heard something serious, your mind is already spinning up all the questions, all the concerns. Well, so was hers. Let's see the shepherd's response. Verse 13 in chapter 2. Suddenly the angels, the angel was joined by a vast host of others. The armies of heaven. Remember, we, we sang this song earlier. Hark the what? Herald angels. Heralds are official messengers that bring news. The armies of heaven praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest heaven and peace on earth to those with whom God is pleased. When the angels had returned to heaven, the shepherds said to each other, let's go to Bethlehem. Let's see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. Now, I told you who these men were, They've been invited to see this child who they conceive of as the coming king. Remember, these people thought he would take over the throne. He would drive out the Romans. So here are these shepherds looked down on, scorned by all of the culture, and they're going to see the new king's family. What do you think about that? You ever gone anywhere you weren't welcome? You ever gone anywhere that you knew everybody else thought you were lower class than them? Think about them, the lowest class. And yet they went. How did you respond to messages from God? Some of you may be carrying one right now in your mind and heart. And this message, maybe it was delivered by an angel, but perhaps by the Holy Spirit from the Bible directly or maybe through a message preached by me or someone else on our staff. How have you responded? Like Zechariah, did you doubt because God's promise could not be carried out within your own power? like mary did you believe but you really couldn't understand how it could happen but you accepted it anyway like the shepherds did you step out perhaps running to fulfill what you've been called to did you are, are you seeking the savior Knowing you're not good enough to be accepted. You aren't. And neither am I. That's the grace of God. And the grace of God is seen most clearly at Christmas. How will you respond? to what you've heard, to what you've been told. Care volunteers will be here at the front and in the Care Connection room across the concourse. If you say, well, you know, I want to do something for someone that has a need. What can I do? Well, you know what? But I don't have a lot of resources. You can buy $25 gift cards from Amazon, Walmart, Target, put them in the mailbox beside the ministry spotlight, and they are given to the Greenville County Foster Care Kinship Program. So that's a, you know, a small way, an affordable way that you can act. Also, I wanted to announce to you that we did extend an offer to Brian Jones. He accepted our offer and he will, yes. So, so Brian, we, the reason we didn't announce this, we've known for several weeks, was because he is announcing it to his church today. He's in Texas, so they're an hour behind us. So don't post it yet. But Brian will be arriving um, probably January, February. He'll work on our staff. He won't become senior pastor, lead pastor until the summer. And then I begin to take another role to assist him. So let's pray. Father, we thank you for Christmas. Lord, help this to be a time when we not only give gifts to family and friends, but Lord, we offer the gift of salvation to someone that needs to know you. Lord, this, may this be a season that we truly care for others. Show us who we should be sensitive to, who we should invite to church, who we should offer the good news to. In Christ's name we pray, amen.
0: One way you can grow closer to God is by reading Scripture. And throughout this week, read the accounts of Jesus' birth and Matthew and Luke and thank God for the gift of His Son, Jesus. Thanks for joining us for this week's podcast. Next Sunday, our new episode will drop, and we'll continue our series titled Christmas Messengers. To prepare, read Matthew chapter 2, verses 1-12. through 12. At Brooklyn, we want to help you pursue a relationship with Jesus so that you can experience a transformed life. One way you can do this is by getting connected at Brookwood. You can email us, connections at brookwoodchurch.org or call 864-688-8326 to speak to someone on our connections team. Thanks for listening and have a great week.